If you are stuck in the grind and don't know how to get moving, if you have lost your dream or struggled to know how to make it happen, if you have been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life with tools, knowledge, and support that will allow you to create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. Today's guest, Haviland Lodge, is a certified holistic nutritionist, functional diagnostic nutritionist, and behavioral health specialist. She has a bachelor's degree in bachelor's of science in both biology, psychology, and communication, and is currently obtaining her master's in psychotherapy and clinical mental health. Today's guest, Haviland Lodge, is a certified holistic nutritionist, functional diagnostic nutritionist, and behavioral health specialist. She has her bachelor's of science in both biology, psychology, and communication, and is currently working on her master's in psychotherapy and clinical mental health to help individuals bridge the gap between knowing the things they should do for their body and actually doing them. She is also a neurochange consultant for Dr. Joe Dispenza. Haviland specializes in holistic health. A philosophy encourages the individual to consider all variables of self. She believes when we change one part of the working system, we are fundamentally changing the whole. Negative and positive attributes that affect one area of our life are likely to spill over into other aspects of ourselves, whether it be emotional, nutritional, physical, tangible, or intangible strain. One must work to proactively address them to become the best versions of ourselves. And I just have to say that I geeked out on our conversation and just learned so much. Haviland, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to just a great conversation. Yes, thank you for having me, Robert. I'm excited. Absolutely. So obviously you you have a, a pretty diverse educational background and you found a way to um, bring that into an entrepreneurial experience. Um, would you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a functional diagnostic nutritionist. I'm a certified holistic nutritionist and a psychotherapist. I've been training for that right now. So I'm really looking at when we change one part of the working system, fundamentally we're changing the entire system. So if someone isn't feeling good about their body or if they're feeling anxious, that's going to spill over into other other avenues of their life, like their relationship, their work, or their personal life. So I really kind of love this idea of having people self-actualize how to reach their greatest potential and feel good in their body so that they can maximize these other avenues in their life. So once I really discovered that and, and went through my own trials and tribulations with health and nutrition and mental health, I was like, man, it look, feels like someone turned on the light switch and this is how everyone should be. So I really wanted to share that. Uh, love and awareness with the community, friends and family into a business model. Nice. And now what's a, what's an ideal client for? Yeah. An ideal client is probably between the ages of 30 and 60. Um, someone that is typically a business professional that's looking to maximize, maximize 
either, either their mental health or their nutrition or fitness. I see a lot of clients who are business professionals or, or who are looking to maximize their sports performance. Um, so I work with both males and females in kind of that wide range because you can really treat so many people applying these tools. Absolutely. And so what's been the most helpful for you for, for building that audience, finding those clients? Sure. I think the biggest thing for me is a lot of sharing of um, Western medicine is very black and white. You either have a diagnosis or you don't. A good example of this, when I was going through my health concerns, I thought I was celiac for a long time, did a celiac test and was not um, celiac, but did a food uh, nutritional test to see how sensitive I was to, the, to, to gluten. And I was 99% sensitive. So I wasn't celiac, but yet 99% sensitive. So looking at, hey, how do we know what the person is at based on a green, yellow to red scale? And as we age or as we have more stress in our life, it's going to constantly shift. So looking at bringing all these components and um, letting people know that there's different modalities and ways to treat yourself. And that just because you see one doctor doesn't mean that's the end all be all and not obtaining that diagnosis as your identity. So if you cool. do get diagnosed as something, really making sure you're not attached to that so you can mentally get out of that space as well. So powerful. I'm a big proponent of just because they're wearing a stupid white coat doesn't mean they get to tell you who you are. Exactly. It's yeah, it's, it's a lovely point. Yeah. So challenging because um, we attribute so much trust because they're wearing the white coat. And um, just my my father had a recent experience. You know, he basically the doctor said, you know, well, because of this thing you just got, you're going to be sick tomorrow. And and when he told me, I was like, no, you don't have to be sick tomorrow. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to that, um, and and allow that. You know, take that on as yourself. Um, and one of my previous um, interviewees was diagnosed with MS, and he never, he never. So he'll say, "I've been diagnosed with MS," but he doesn't identify as a person. You know, I have having MS, and so it's it's so different. And and of course, they they gave him. You know told him how much it would hinder his life. And, you know, he's, he's now very successful and into his sixties and, and, uh, oh, absolutely. And you'll, you'll appreciate the conversation. I encourage you to go and listen to, to Gary Barnes's um, interview on the show. Cause he, it's just, he really is terrific. And, and he, and he understands that identity level issue, right? When you attribute trust to somebody and you let them tell you what you have or, or what's quote unquote wrong with you, um, your brain, your brain accepts that and identifies with that. And, and you don't have to, and it, and it sounds like um, wordplay or, you know, well, that just can't change anything. But the truth is our words have tremendous power. <laughs> and, tremendous meaning. Absolutely. And when we, when we learn to listen to the words we're using and, and what words we're allowing to, to influence us, it, it's so powerful. And so, Absolutely. A good point to that, too, is, you know, even if someone is sick, if they identify to being sick, that's going to change the epigenetics of how their genes are transcribing on or off. And so if you imagine yourself uh, thinking of a very happy memory and you're feeling really good about that memory or thinking about a memory that's really, really awful or, oh, my gosh, I've got this diagnosis, even through thought alone, you put yourself in a different neurochemical change because you're making feelings of frustration or anger or sadness or you're feeling empowered or inspired and joyful 
And those emotional chemicals dictate how your genes are showing up. So it can further promote the disease if we get sucked into that identity. Oh, I love that. So you know, when Norman Vincent Peale wrote, you know, The Power of Positive Thinking, everybody's like, oh, it's just woo-woo. And, and I love that science is catching up and, and science is backing the, the power of positive thinking. And especially when it comes to our body and the relationship between our brain and our body. Um, the brain has so much power that science can't explain yet. And, and it's, and some of it starts with language. It starts with the stories we tell ourselves and that's so, so important. And so it is, it's exciting to see people um, studying this, not just from, you know, from an application side of, you know, how do we, how do we help people longer term um, deal with some of these these issues. I think a lot of our issues in our culture are, are self-created, right? I mean, our, Absolutely. our health system and our food system are both at odds. Um, I mean, I think um, I've had conversations, you know, our healthcare system is really a disease care system and we treat, we treat disease rather than, than health and, and, and we don't advocate health as much as we should. Absolutely. And one of the things off of that kind of that conversation is looking at psychiatrists specifically with mental health. Psychiatrists are the only doctors that don't look at the organ. They're not looking at the brain. They're not scanning it. And we're seeing someone who's depressed can be hyperactive or underactive. Both are on the spectrum or both are displaying depression, but giving them the same pill is going to have a different reaction. And that's why it's really important to actually go in and see, hey, let's look at the person as a whole so we can get an individualized plan for that individual specifically of where they're at right now. Hmm. Crazy. You're probably eating some food or doing something that's causing, causing these um, feelings. I, I think one of the challenges, um, especially with obviously depression is so rampant now in our country and, and doctors want to fix people. That's, that's kind of the way they were, trained in the way they were brought. And so the doc, you know, person comes to the doctor says, Oh, I don't feel right. And of course, you know, don't feel right. I'm sad um, is a pretty hard thing to, to measure out. <laughs> and, and then the doctor turns to the pharmacist and says, Hey, this patient's sad. I need to treat him. How can I make him feel better? And of course the pharmacology system is more than happy to come up with something to make him feel better. Sure. But the truth is all we're doing is putting a, a smiley face on on a sad and so ultimately the person's still sad but they're okay now right absolutely and that's i think that that you the nail on the hammer there is pharmaceuticals pharmaceuticals do serve a time and a place but it, not when we're not addressing the root cause right there's a reason why someone's depressed we're putting a band-aid over this here's this pill but we never looked at the biology. We never looked at their support system. We never looked at the food, their lifestyle, and all that's causing this issue to appear. Why would we be so naive to think that this pill has more optimization than inside of us? If we think that health is outside of us, we really kind of put ourselves in a pigeonhole there. Well, and, and I mean, it's just the way the system has kind of created the expectation, right? We want instant results. And, and I want to be able to take an aspirin so the headache goes away. I want to be able to take a pill so these funky feelings go away. And and people would rather take a pill than, than make a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> and I think AD, you know, a lot of the ADD is in the same category. Uh, and and we'd rather we'd rather take a pill or stuff a pill down our kids' throat than 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 work on behavior and you know, work on 
their whole life, like you said, what they're eating, how they're acting, what what their schedule is, because all of those things play into into their behavior. Um, Absolutely. And I think parents, you know, I'm a mom as well. They don't realize that by helping their children or helping their friends or family, you're helping your ancestors, you're helping the other lineage show up for themselves and how they're transcribing their DNA. I see this a lot with clients that say, oh, my mom had diabetes or my mom had this, my dad had this. And it's, well, yes, but that doesn't mean you can't, right? If you're feeding yourself with good food and good thoughts, your genes are going to transcribe much differently than someone who doesn't have a support system, who's eating processed foods, who's, you know, secluded. So I think that's a really important thing to look at is it's not just about us. It's about our society and community and how can we show up for others so that further generations will also be in health and health. Cool. So much good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's sad. Like, obviously, I think it comes up a lot with my clients. It comes up a lot in, in this show about um, our culture as a whole. Um, we eat emotionally. We, mm-hmm. we look for foods that are going to make us feel a certain way. Um, we, you know, we, we're, we're never, even the nutritional things taught by the government and, mm-hmm. you know, are you know, you need a serving of this. I grew up in Wisconsin. And so, you you know, you need a steak and a potato and, and a vegetable, steak, potato and vegetable. And, you know, that's the, that's the well, well-rounded meal, but we've, we've never been taught to look at it as this is the fuel you're putting in your body to, you know, and obviously some athletes figure that out and learn that. And, and, but very few of the regular people sure. learn, learn, you know, what, what's good fuel for your body, what's bad fuel for your body. And, you know, we have the the advertising wars between sugar and corn syrup and processed and all of these things that are just another bigger distraction to to the idea of what what really is valuable fuel. Uh, you know, and so most of us are are stuck putting water in our gas tank instead of. <laughs> I like that analogy. That's that's spot on. I always tell my clients, when you're eating something, you're eating a message. If you're eating, you know, a nice, beautiful, colorful salad, or if you're eating a bag of Cheetos. We know that that's going to tell your body to do very different things. So really thinking about that, that what you put at the end of your fork is probably one of the most important decisions you can make. And that your relationship with food is essentially your level of self-care or self-love. How are you going to show up for yourself? No, oh, that is so good. And and recognizing not just, not just the, the message it sends to your body and your body signaling, but the message it sends to your mind of what kind of person are you trying to be? Sure. And right. I, always, I always tell my clients... You know, they have this version of themselves that wants to be thinner or healthier or stronger. And so every time they eat, I say, start eating as your future self. If you're sitting down for a meal and you go to a restaurant, ask yourself, is this how my future self eats? And most of the time, like, well, well no. I'm like, well, why are you delaying what you want today? Right. <laughs> Tomorrow is the new today. It's like, no, let's start right now. That's so good. So powerful. So. How did you develop confidence to, to, to go out on your own and to just start helping people? You know, that's a great question. So to me, ever, ever since I was very, very young, food has fascinated me. I've always thought it was a way that people celebrated, a way that people connected with it when they were sad. It was just really interesting to me how it brought people together, how it isolated people. And so as I was kind of looking through all these things, I had interest in nutrition growing up and really, really started to see the impact of telling people and sharing, you know, tidbits here and there and looking at their expression, their face of like, what are you, what is she talking about? I'm like, oh my gosh, not everyone knows this. 
And of course, not everyone will know this because we never had education around it. And so I think it's really important to share that message. Um, and during that transition time, I think there was a lot of self-doubt of, you know, can I do this? Is this going to be good enough? Am I worth it? And it's like, I know how much better my life improved. Why would I not share that awareness or that gift with other people? And just knowing that even just information alone is enough. And that if you are doing something that you're passionate about, everything else, money and all that comes with it, right? It's really coming first with the love and the passion. I think that's what's really important about being entrepreneurs, making sure that you really like what you're doing. That's so powerful. So what caused you to decide? I mean, obviously functional nutrition is one level. Sure. Um, to add psychotherapy and neurotherapy is, sure. a, is a whole nother level. So I started with my um, holistic nutrition certification and then the functional diagnostics so I could really get a roadmap to what's going on with someone's hormones or their gut. Um, and my first client, I remember sitting down and she comes in for weight loss and I'm you know excited and nervous and we start talking and she wants to lose 15 pounds and then starts disclosing to me that she was kidnapped when she was three years old. Um, she was abused. She was put in an outhouse. She had all this toxicity. And I'm sitting there with this poker face like, hmm, I think I might need some more tools to, to work on this. And the more and more clients that I saw, I saw two clients for two years just with nutrition. That's how it was showing up as people saying, you know, I've got heartburn or I've got this joint pain or my, di my digestion's off. And when we look at the body, when the body is not in alignment, it creates dis-ease, disease. And mm -hmm. so we want to look at, well, how is that showing up mentally and what is that causing your body to do? Or what are the stressors in your life? Because when you're in a high stress environment, high cortisol, your body's going to react very differently than if you're relaxed and you know controlled and everything's organized. So it was really important to me to look at all those components and to bring in a psychotherapeutic uh, kind of perspective to treat the client truly in a holistic approach. Um, and it just so happened with a the neurotherapy, I started working with Dr. Joe Dispenza with meditation and neuro change for corporations. And as we were doing that, I saw this internship at plasticity centers and to see that we can map the brain in real time and get real results is just absolutely fascinating. I had a client come in talking extremely fast, was really overwhelmed. Her frontal lobe was hyperactive. She wasn't, wasn't able to make sound decisions because of that. So we started treating her with neural tones. And by the time she left, she's talking very slow, is excited about her day. And it's you can see it unfold in real time. And it's really naive to think, well, why wouldn't we look at the brain? That's really our computer board. If we're having a hard time making decisions or following through, let's go to the actual root and the actual database. So those three components to me, I feel like really is the trifecta of health and giving people the options of, hey, We've got this avenue if you want to look at it. If you're not ready, let's start with nutrition. But meeting people where they're at, too, I think is really important. So powerful. So cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's crazy about some of these things, like Wallace D. Waddles wrote The Science of Getting Rich 150 years ago. And and he talked about our uh, if you study disease, then you get disease, you know, and our entire system is built on, on studying disease and treating disease. And when we put the, we put the bandaid on the symptoms, right? As long as we can take away the symptoms, we're, we're good. Even though our tools to take away the symptoms cause three other symptoms. That's, right. you know, so now we got, you know, put these two meds on board, they cause these two things. And then we put two more meds on board to take care of those side effects. Um, and, and it's just, it's kind of become this crazy, this crazy cycle. Well, and a, a side effect is a direct effect of the drug. And I think people don't, it's 
like, no, it's it's because you're taking the drug. It's a direct effect, not a side effect. Right. But the side effect of the disease that you supposedly. Exactly. Supposedly <laughs> yeah. And so, so, you know, these ideas have been around for, for 150 years and now science is just now catching up and, and saying, Oh, look, we can look at all of these pieces together and, and actually take care of, allow the body to take care of itself if we give it all the right pieces, which I think is, is incredibly powerful. Why not use the body to, to heal itself if it's designed Absolutely. and trying really hard to do that and all we're doing is getting in the way? There's a really good documentary on Netflix, I believe, called Heal that looks at the power of the mind and how it transcribes and manifests disease or you know, in alignment. So that's a really good resource, too, if you haven't watched that. No, thank you. I definitely, definitely will. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're, you're in some pretty cool worlds and, and helping people with some, some pretty cool things and, and getting, you know, obviously in the nutrition side, the results take a little longer, but it sounds like some of these neurotherapy results come, come pretty fast. Um, what, what's helping you build and grow your business? I think for me is when I'm helping the client or treating the client and they have this kind of like this moment where it clicks and they get it or they hop on, they're like, man, I tried a new thing or I'm feeling really good. And it's like, I feel strongly everyone deserves to have their highest quality of life and have a life that they actually enjoy living. And so just by doing that alone, I really think that I, you know, I don't want to market to people that don't want my help. I want people that are going to show up. So a lot of the times it's, you know, word of mouth or referrals because I want people to be like, hey, I, I need help. And I heard you're the person to go to rather than, you know, dragging people to do it because that's not that's not the mentality that we we want to work with. So making sure people are ready for this, um, ready to have some deep conversations and ready for change. Absolutely. So obviously a big part is, is nutrition and helping people get a, a better relationship with food. What's, I guess, is your, your primary is business people. So you're trying to help them deal with stress or deal with um, weight issues, maybe pre-diabetic issues. What, uh, what's your best advice for an entrepreneur that might be listening that's on that, on that edge, right? Cause it's an edge, right? They, they give us this, you're pre-diabetic, right? That's the sure. warning. That's the warning level. It's like, you know, your blood pressure's at 150 over 90. You're, you know, you have high blood pressure, but it's just a warning at this point. Sure. So one of the biggest things that I think is interesting is that who we are, you sitting there today is made up of how you think, how you act and how you feel. And so you sitting there today has created your life called your personal reality. And so if you want to change your life, if you want to not be pre-diabetic or if you want to be healthier, then you yourself are going to have to change how you think, how you act and how you feel. Most people want a different life or different diagnosis, but they don't want to change themselves. And so it's important to look at, hey, I need to first be aware of what's what I need to fix here, reaching out to others that know or have experience in the field, and then really, really honing in on the idea that I really am against diets. It's more of a lifestyle change. There's you know keto and vegan and all these things. It's looking at what makes sense for your lifestyle and where you're at and what do you enjoy eating. If you're on the super strict restrictive diet, there's no pleasure there. There's no joy there. It's not sustainable. Why would we think that that's going to be something we want to do one to five years from now? 
So my really, my approach is looking at eating whole and unprocessed foods, you know, planning ahead, making sure they're foods you like, um, and making sure that we're getting ad adequate protein. I think a lot of people are protein deficient, um, and then adequate micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals, leafy greens, things like that. Um, but I really want to make sure it doesn't add more stress to the individual's life. So keeping things super, super simple, like we've forgotten that we can hard boiled eggs and have nut butter and veggies. It's things that are easy and convenient and cheap nonetheless, but we somehow spend more time going out and getting fast food. And I think people think it's easy and convenient and there's no suffering involved. There's no meal prep. There's no planning ahead, but long-term you're actually suffering more holistically. So it's like, well, are we going to take the time to honor yourself or are you going to take the, the short way out? Yeah. It's uh, th there's similar ideas about savings, right? If we don't, uh, if we spend now, we pay later <laughs> versus, you know, versus, and so it's the same, same kind of thing we want in our food. We, well, it's okay. You know, I'll eat healthy later. Right, right. My, my mentor actually gave me a really good uh, metaphor for that. Imagine, Robert, you smoke like six packs of cigarettes a day. I know you don't, but Ooh. you do for this conversation. And I show up and I'm like, hey, you know, you really need to knock it off. You really need to not smoking. And you're like, Havlin, go eat a bag of rocks. Like, I, I'm healthy. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Ten years later, you're at the hospital or, you know, doctor's office. The doctor comes in and says, you know, Robert, I'm really sorry to tell you, you've got stage four terminal cancer. And so I, I walk in behind you and I say, hey, do you remember me? How much money would you pay yourself to go back in time and tell yourself to knock it off? And you would say, I'd probably do anything. And that's what I want people to really understand is that we as humans want immediate gratification, but we need to be thinking about our future self and showing up as that person today, not tomorrow. Mm, so good. Our, our culture is really doing everything it can to avoid consequences. Mm -hmm. It really and, is. And, and there's no there's no avoiding consequences of poor body treatment. No, there's, there isn't. There, there's not a shortcut. There's no undoing it, and and it, yeah, you can't blame somebody else at that point. It just those consequences are going to come whether you like it or not. Absolutely, and I think that's a big point too about the food. Is people have a belief, and a belief is just a thought you keep thinking. Eating clean or nourishing is not fun, or it's not flavorful, and I think if you're wanting to start switching that, really even starting to think about how you're thinking about food, because if those are beliefs that are on the forefront, of course, shifting eating healthier is going to be harder than if you were excited about it or finding new flavors. So really starting with that awareness, I think is highly important. I had, uh, I did an interview with just another uh, entrepreneur who had a terrible, a terrible accident, like jogging, got hit by a tree and, Wow. Shouldn't shouldn't have lived, but but did. And the one thing she lost was her memory of what food she liked or didn't like. And her and her family wouldn't tell her. So so she so so they they were they were basically testing her to see if she if liked she, her, yeah. if she liked these foods or not. And and uh and so yeah, interesting things and, and that's just another rec reminder of how the brain the brain can reheal things and reroute things and you might lose a memory here or there but but the brain can recover so much you know of your ability and and it's just fascinating to me um and i've been studying the brain not at the level you are because obviously you're 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 deep in the woods now <laughs> which is excellent somebody needs to be um, yeah you know 
I'm I'm studying people like Jim Quick and and uh, and and just actually people like you that are just that are just confirming um, the, the things that that were that have been said, but you know science kind of says, yeah, I don't know, you know, about you know these these I don't know that the brain can you know they they just don't know right. There's just so much unknown about the brain and 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 positive thought um, and being able to to reroute you know neural pathways to to have that neuroplasticity which you know is why i love the name of the yeah. place you're, you're learning now is just um my mom has alzheimer's and so i'm watching what happens when the brain doesn't work and, and sorry they're going through that yeah i definitely don't recommend it and uh but the reality for me is you know my mental fitness is is now as important as my physical fitness, which is also more important than it was, you know, just six months ago. Sure. And so the idea that we can have, you know, physical fitness for our body, mental fitness for our brain. And then I believe, of course, the spirit needs to be exercised too. And so it's uh, it, it, it being intentional in all three of those areas is, is so important. And so I appreciate that you're, you're focused on the mind and body in in such a functional way to to truly, I mean, I think to, to truly be able to say I holistically can can help you whether we're dealing with all these past issues that you're holding on to, these stories that you're telling yourself, sure, unwire those stories, or the stories you're telling yourself about your current food and, and exercise habits. Absolutely, it's really cool to see that unfold in clients. It's awesome. And, and, and of course, when they figure it out, like, it's like, ah, light bulbs, right? Because it's, it's so interesting. Like I had one client who we worked for a little bit together and he was like, wait, is this how most people feel? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I didn't realize that I didn't feel good because I was walking around with a food hangover, not knowing that I didn't feel good. And now that I know what feeling good feels like, I don't want to go back to that. And it's like, yeah, you, yes, but more of that. And it's really just waking up people of, if you're having a tough time, if you're struggling mentally, if you're not eating well, there's a reason for that. And you don't deserve that. If we just, you know, move forward to that, you can have the quality of life that you've always wanted. <laughs> so good. All right. So I'm going to switch a little bit. So how has, how is gratitude now you're, you're really thought focused and how has gratitude been a benefit for you and, and your growth? So gratitude for me, gratitude, if you look at actually the neurochemical production of gratitude, love, for example, inspired, empowered, all those things have a higher electromagnetic frequency. So within our brain, it actually looks very, very different. If you are mapping someone's brain who is in high gratitude versus someone who had a really bad day or who's really angry or jealous, those motions are very, very low frequency. So knowing that, hey, obviously we want to be in a higher frequency space, when you think about being grateful or having gratitude for your work or your family or your food or whatever it is, you are signaling to your body neurochemically, again, how to change those DNA and epigenetics. And that's going to transcribe to a healthier or creative state of the body, not the survival circuit. So I think making sure if you're having a hard day or you know trying to get somewhere, just taking a moment to, you know, well, what would gratitude feel like right now is a really nice kind of pauser to pivot to get to that space that you do want to be in. Oh, that's so good. So cool. And it and it just confirms it confirms so much, you know, reality. Like the 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 brain, the brain is that you're measuring the brain in gratitude and seeing that that higher vibrational frequency. And and I believe that I. I 
helping clients do gratitude journals and start their day with gratitude because gratitude is the best way to start at a higher vibrational frequency. It, it It's the one thing that can elevate your character um, and, and elevate your feelings. Right. And so sure. the fact that it, the fact that you can measure that and, and see it on a, on a chart is just, is just incredible. So. Well, and most of the time, people wake up and they're, they automatically think, oh, I need to call this person or I didn't do that, right? And already through thought alone, they're already living in the past. And so first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning, I ask myself and it takes five seconds, who do I want to be today? And mm -hmm. it's like, set, set the tone. If you want to show up, show up today, show up today and stop living in the past or the future, live in the present moment. So good. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. What other things do you have in your morning routine? I, so I try to switch up my morning routine a lot. I'm not someone that is pretty habitual because I want to experience and have a different reality than the day before. And so it's also about creating those new neural circuitry. You know, what does good food look like? I don't have the same breakfast every day, kind of do different variations. Um, of course, you know, getting all really, it's just talking myself up and giving myself that kind of self-confidence boost of making sure I'm organized and making sure that I'm in alignment with myself. Nice. Yeah. So no elements that you switch up? Um, I switch up my food sometimes. Uh, music is a big one for me. So I think having music in the morning is really important just to right, get to a different state of mind. Uh, your state of being essentially your personality of who you've been every day. So if you're doing the same thing every day, the same, you know, brush your teeth at the same time, you do the shower at the same time, that's your personality, right? So how would your personal reality change if you're not changing? It's really important to do different tones, different things to, well, I think I want to have a better life today or a different emotion today. And um, one thing I do that the night before is I ask myself, you know, what are three things that I experienced that I didn't like or three emotions that I don't want to repeat again? So I'm aware of that. It's like, okay, I'm aware of that. How do I not do that same thing again? Because the hardest thing about change is not doing the same thing that you did the day before. Nice. So you have an evening routine as well. Yes. I think sleep hygiene is very, very important. I think a lot of Americans uh, use things like TV to distract or to unwind. Um, they stay up too late. They're on their phone. We're scrolling through social media and just mindless stuff that's not getting your body into that rest and digest state um, or they're working too much. So really making sure I think sleep schedules can, needs to be consistent so your body knows, hey, it's time to like, get ready for bed. It's time to kind of wind down. Yeah, our... our uh... I'm a grandpa now, and so my uh, biggest thing, it's been a little bit, five years, he's five now, but the awesome. uh, biggest thing is helping my daughter recognize if you, the simplest thing you can do for his good is that schedule. If he mm -hmm. goes to bed on time, he'll, he'll sleep better, he'll wake up, start to wake up consistently, and then and then feeding him on time, like, you know, just, just within reason, right? If, if he's got sleep and fuel, the rest of the things are going to work out so much better. Um, totally. but rhythm, rhythm is so powerful for, for our bodies. And, and my wife and I are, are we have, you know, we sleep with a, a, our watch that can check our sleep you know, rhythms and, and, and we check ourselves. All right. So what did we, what did, what do we do before, you know, that caused it to be, be this bad? Like, sure. and, and the crazy thing we've, we've started to figure out is how much, if one of us is off, it throws the other one off because obviously we're sleeping in the same room in bed. And, and uh, it, it's crazy how much one person's bad vibrations can, can impact the other. Um, but Absolutely. Sleep and is absolutely, you know, 
I, I'm convinced that you, the best uh, tool for a, a morning, good morning routine is an evening routine that, that puts Absolutely. you to on time. I'm, I'm with you on that. And that's the interesting thought too, is if you ask most adults, you'd think, or I hope they would say, you know, a consistent schedule for kids is important, consistent sleep schedule, eating regularly, but yet no adult does that for themselves. And it's right. like, we need to start listening to our own advice because all we need to do is really reparent ourselves. No one grabbed us when we were 18 and we said, you know, all right, you're all left to your own devices. We have to really kind of be like, all right, you get to show up today. How do you want to show up and be your own parent again? <laughs> Dang it. I know. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> yeah, but but the results are just so striking. Like, I don't use an alarm clock. Right. Exactly. I don't have to get woke up by the bleep, 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 bleep. Right. And it's very start, alarming in itself. Start right? my day in, in total shock and misery. Um, I get out of bed at the same time every day just because I'm going to bed at the same time every day. And and it, it, it really wasn't that complicated. If I want to wake up earlier, I go to bed half hour earlier. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it becomes more natural, right? My body's natural rhythm. I'm trying to honor my body's rhythms. Um, sure. Same way with work. Sure. I choose to do my best work in the morning because that's when my body's like, woohoo, let's do this. Sure. You know? And then the afternoon when I'm yawning and want to take a nap, that's the time I got to do other phone calls or things that require me to be wound up a little bit because I wind myself up for sure. those. And, and I, you know, if I get past it or push through it, you know, then the afternoon, evening, I don't have that nap feeling constantly. <laughs> sure. And I think people overlook the simplicity of solutions. Like, right. All you're saying is, Hey, I had a consistent schedule in my life. You know, it's awesome because of it. And yet we start to go, well, maybe it's so-and-so and it's like, Whoa, there's all this other BS that, Really, it's on us to have a consistent schedule. Like, let's just start there and start slow and easy. Oh, no, we'd rather take a pill. Right. Oh, let me try that sleeping pill. Oh, maybe I can add this, uh, that uh, Benadryl at night. Or Right, right. <laughs> and then you get side effects from those effects, right? Oh. But, yeah, it's interesting for sure. It, it, is, it is a little crazy. Um, oh, you mentioned something in there I was going to jump on. So, so what inspires you? What inspires me, I think, is this idea that we can truly be whoever we want to be, whenever we want to be, and we can create anything. Anything that we do in life is our creation, right? Like having a child, it's your creation or your job. It's your choice, not chance of how you're showing up. And so for me, it's like, man, this material is really fascinating to me. It's not like I'm studying you know, art history and I'm not going to apply it. It's like I can help myself. I can help my kids. I can help my community. And so I think it's really inspirational for me to see that we can all individually be this ripple effect and see the change that we want to be in the world. Um, and we get to create that if we want to. Yeah. So powerful. And, and it's, that, that's the crazy part, right? It's even now I remember what I wanted to say when you get to that afternoon place and what do, what do we all tell ourselves when you ask somebody how they're doing, they're like, I'm tired. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's, and they say they're tired and then their mind's like, okay, well, I must be tired. It's like this double-edged sword. It's, it's so you spend, they spend the whole afternoon, evening, just tired. I, 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 uh, been around a lot of teenagers and the same thing. Teenagers constantly, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm, they're all just tired. It's like, why would, why would you repeat that? Why would you reinforce that for yourself and, and helping people see that, you know, it's, it's no different than telling yourself, Oh, I'm so dumb or, you know, some of those statements that we make. And you said earlier that, you know, what we repeat 
becomes our belief systems. Really, yep. it's the stories that we tell ourselves over and over again. And so stop telling yourself that story that you're tired. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so miserable at my job. Absolutely. My, my daughter was sick last week and she came up and she's, you know, mom, I'm sick. And I'm like, you're getting better. You already feel better now. Don't you feel better? And she's like, yeah, I feel better. And it's, you know, it's also looking at who's your authority. Like, are you your own authority? Are you going to show up for yourself or are your friends going to co-sign on your BS? Like making sure you've got that good support system of people catching what, how you're talking. <laughs> oh, your friend's going to co-sign on your BS. That is so good. <laughs> we all have that friend that we can, that, that will co-sign. So we've got to make sure we've got some good people in our corner. <laughs> oh, they will. Yeah. We need to, need and we people. let them. Of course, we want to be in a circle of people that support our, our the stories we're telling ourselves. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's why you need a coach that calls BS and says, no. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not going there today. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, I've been trying lately. My poor dad just struggling with, with some of those things. And he keeps saying, well, I can't remember names. I'm frustrated. I, I said, stop saying that. Just tell yourself that you can remember names and you can, you know, absolutely. at any age, you don't need to, you don't need to give in to the, the, the normative ideals, right? That the culture is passed on and says, well, just because you're getting older, you can't remember stuff. And right? I think you bring up a really good point too, of people think that positive thinking or this affirmations, if you will, if you're having a bad thought, like, oh, I can't remember the names, they want to move all the way to, I can remember the names. And that feels really, really hard. So it's like, it's not about thinking positive. It's from getting to a neutral space or a negative space to a neutral space. So it could be, oh, I can't remember names to I'm working on learning names better. It doesn't need to be the complete 180, but getting yourself one degree closer to who you want to be. It's almost like if you were in a tractor and you were driving down a cornfield, if you change that one degree 500 miles from there, you're going to be somewhere totally different than how do you just stay the same path? So it doesn't need to be this huge jump. Just turn that thought a little bit. Well, it's that autocorrect, right? Like you said, the you know the, well, the the metaphor is the airplane, right? The airplane is always off course by just a little bit, but it corrects. Sure. And and if you know that that's the person you want to be, so which person do you want to be? The person that can remember, or the person that's you know, oh, I'm always forgetting. Oh, I can't remember. No, I don't want to be that person. So why would I keep repeating that story to myself? People people look at what isn't so much. And if they say, for example, your father, I can't remember this. My memory is really bad. They're looking at all the things that they don't have from a place of not having. So it feels worse. And it's like, well, instead of looking at what isn't, let's look at what is. And if we just took our, put our attention on what is and strengthen that, you're actually creating more neural circuitry. So more neural highways believe that thought rather than giving into this. So that really is the power of thought is we're creating firing and wiring electrons in our brain through thought alone. So it's way more powerful than I think I even know. And that's something that we need to all work on. I really believe that. Whew, absolutely. That is fantastic stuff. All right. I'm going to switch gears even further. So sure. what was your most memorable date? My most memorable date, um, <laughs> like, like romantic date. Yeah. Hmm, that's a good one. That's I'm trying to think. So I'm a huge foodie. And I think one of my husband now at the time took me to a sushi bar and we sat, you know, at the sushi place and they did amakase and they were telling us where it's from and all these different flavors. And we had, I think it's called gooey duck, which looks crazy scary. It's like this long snail thing. And I'm the girl that will try anything. And that to me is like having know where the food's coming from and the taste and all of that. That's really important to me. And I think 
just caring more about your food, but also enjoying your company is super, super fun for me. Absolutely. So what do you love to do in your free time? I love to be outside. So I'm a huge hiker, biker. I like to go camping um, and I love to cook. So even cooking with my family, I used to meal prep for a lot of people. It's just really fascinating to me that if you, you know, bring food to your neighbor, it's just this, this kind of olive branch of love. Like, Hey, I care about you. I made this with love and no one does that anymore. No one cooks for each other. No one's bringing that awareness. So I think those are my, my two favorite things to do. I love to work out too. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, food is the one place where relationships really can happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the, the family dinners not only gone away for most families um, or turned into just rapid chaos, uh, sure. but certainly communities as a whole, like you said, families aren't coming together and sharing meals and having conversations. And I think some of the best business conversations can happen over a meal. Um, yeah. <laughs> And that's even to push it further. If, you know, if you and I go to a restaurant, I could order Chinese food and you could order pizza. We're skipping that entire step of the communal, you know, efforts of making that meal. And even when we're cooking and chopping and smelling it, when we smell, we actually digest 60% better because we're producing the amylase, the digestive enzyme to say, hey, I'm signaling that I'm about to eat. So we're getting ready for it. When you go to a restaurant, it's like, here's your meal. Let's go. And it's like, we totally miss out on that stuff. So I think getting back to kind of our ancestral roots with cooking and food is also a very important thing to highlight. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Ways for everybody to not just eat together, but cook together. Yep. Eat together, cook together, have the same, somewhat of the same meal, right? It's, it's interesting. Well, you know, I mean, I guess one of the, our hunting traditions were, you know, cooking together and camping in in a camping environment, that kind of stuff can happen. Um, But it'd be interesting to see how we could, make something like that happen in a business environment. Sure. <laughs> and, get and together and cook of, together. Right, right. They'd be like, what? What, Robert? <laughs> but it's it's important or even, you know, having a grill out or what, smoking some brisket, whatever it is, is, that is a very fun thing for people to do. And we're not doing that as much. Tailgating. A few, <laughs> the sports fanatics are tailgating. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. A little, little bit happening here and there. Mm-hmm. So what, what have mentors meant? For your building your business. Oh man. So my mentors have been everything to me. I think if you are an entrepreneur or thinking about being an entrepreneur and you don't have a support system or mentors that have walked before you, you're going to have a lot harder time navigating that path. And I think um, knowing that you can talk to someone, have a safe space, relate to their issues, because with entrepreneurship, as you know, there's all these things that are not even work related, right? Admin work, emails, how you're going to pay yourself, how you're going to market yourself that come up. And if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. So I think really making sure that you're reaching out to people um, to reduce the doubt, to help you stay strong and to stay on path is super important. Well, what was the best way to, to find mentors that served you? Sure. Um, so one of the things that I did, you know, is reach out to people that I were therapists before, nutritionists before. I think people overlook the power of good old Google, there's so much information at our fingertips that we can do our own research and we can see if this is going to fit or go shadow someone. So really taking the initiative of knowing things are not going to fall in your lap. You have to go seek them out. And the more doors that you open up for yourself, the more opportunities you're going to get for yourself. So really take the extra time to make sure this is a good fit for you. Hmm. So good. It just goes back to that same intentionality, right? Being intentional about your meals, being intentional about your body. Totally. And not go on autopilot. It's 
to be so conscious of your unconscious behaviors that you would never let yourself forget again. And I think I see that all the time, right? People, oh, you know, I drank too much. And it's like, you know what a hangover feels like. And you know that you don't like that, but you forgot and you do it again. Like, we, And that's the same thing with food or business relationships or the people you date, whatever it is. If you don't learn the lesson, it's going to show up in a different form, but it's going to be the same lesson. Well, and it's because they're not changing at the identity level, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. They wake up, they wake up the next morning and they don't like the behavior, but at the identity level, they haven't changed anything. So the evening comes and they're like, oh, I'm a drinker. So yep. <laughs> I got to have that drink. And then next morning they'll do the same game. Like, well, I feel like crap because I did, I did that drink and I'm going to quit drinking. But they're not saying I'm going to quit being a drinker. And Exactly. <laughs> spot on. I think that's so important. Yeah. But it's hard for, obviously it's hard to do alone, right? You need, you need somebody on the outside reminding you like, Oh, this is what the issue is. You're not changing your identity. Yeah. And I think too, when people, you know, mess up or they drink too much or they make a bad business decision, they're so hard on themselves. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm judging myself. And it's like, do you think being, you know, sad and angry and frustrated and judging yourself is a good launching pad? Or do you think, hey, I'm going to learn from this. I'm actually inspired to not drink or change from that is a better launching pad. And it's like, obviously, it's looking at the what is again versus the what isn't and making sure you're aware of, okay, let's not be so hard on myself. I'm aware I didn't like that behavior and this is the consequence. How do I shift that tomorrow or tonight? Mm, that's so good. Yeah, being a, being aware of, of your future self. And I like, you know, being... Somebody mentioned be your own butler and Ooh, like that. doing, you know, doing things for your future self. So, I mean, it's as simple as the, the reason you make your bed in the morning is so your future self, the bed's prepared when you're, when you need it later at night and you don't have to worry about finding the sheets and the blankets. Right? And so setting out your shoes, setting out your shoes and your clothes the night before sets your, sets it up for your future self in the morning. Um, and there's so many things we can do for the good of our future self, including saying I'm, you know what? I'm not drinking tonight because I want my morning self to feel better. (laughs) Exactly. And that's really that, that cigarette conversation, right? Tying yourself to your future self is I know you want the drink now or whatever it is now, but what do you want tomorrow? And so really putting yourself in future tense, I think kind of monetized. I always say that which you're, that which you are seeking is seeing you. So if you're seeking to not feel hungover tomorrow, it is, it is as well. So let's magnetize that experience. Yeah. And, and just being responsible for, for your future self and recognizing that it's just one step, right? Like for me, when I, I haven't exercised in years, I hate working out. I, and, but I decided, you know what, my future self deserves it. And I obviously need it at this point. And so, but it's, it's simple. I started with 10, 10 pushups, 10 sit-ups, 10 squats, that something simple, I can do it in 10 minutes. And, you know, now I do 40. Yeah. And, but it just became, it was simple enough that I wouldn't quit and yet hard enough that my body starts to, to get the benefit of it. And even if you just do one sit up a day for the rest of your life, that's better right. than doing no sit ups a day. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think, I think that's really important as people make hefty goals that they can't attain. And so then they feel worse about themselves. So making sure that your goals are measurable and they're realistic. Are very well, important. just that first workout, right? You go to the gym for 45 minutes and you get plowed. And you right. spend three days, I can't lift my arms above my desk. And no wonder you don't, they don't go back. Right. right? But if you do, if you do just enough, right, it's got to hurt just enough to be good for you, but, but not so much that you quit the next morning. And so that's, that's the cool. challenge is doing, doing that little minimum, that mini habit that, 
what can you do? in as James, James Clear would say, what can you do in two minutes? I like that. That's <laughs> to be, great. To become the, become that kind of person. And now I'm the kind of person that work, you know, I exercise in the morning. That's part of my identity. And so now it's just a matter of. That's you who you know, are. It's your state of being. And, and I can do more or less. And, and it's still, I'm a person that exercises in the morning. Um, and so, yeah, figuring out how to make that little small change that your brain will live with and, and accept each morning. And then it becomes, yeah, it just becomes a part of who you are. I love that. And those are so helpful. All right. So what's Haviland's big dream? Haviland's big dream. I would love to open up a, a very you know nice clinic that has all these different modalities of um, neurotherapists there, of psychologists there, of lab and house, and just creating a space where people can come and kind of create their own package and ensure that they're being heard, felt, and seen. Um, I would also really like to write a cookbook and or a book. I think that's very important to me. And I'd love to get um, more kind of space in speaking to the public. So large events of sharing, hey, how are we going to show up for ourselves? And why aren't you this person already yet? Like, here are some tools to consider to meet your future self, because you'll probably like yourself more, right? Nice. That's beautiful. And I, and I know you're going to make it happen. So <laughs> thank you. That's, that's pretty exciting. So what, what's been a challenge of, you mentioned daughter, right? Do you have kids? Yep, I, yep I've got that. Yeah, kids. Kids. So what's been the challenge of raising a family and running your own business and going to school? <laughs> yes. So I think one of the biggest things for me, which I quickly realized with a limiting belief, is that I don't have enough time. I can't do Ooh. all this. And so what was interesting is I had a client who, you know, very, very, very busy individual. Her calendar is just smashed together. And she called me and was like, hey, Havlin, you know, my basement flooded. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I need to cancel our appointment. And I was like, you know, do me a favor. Will you keep track of how many hours that you spend this week on your basement being flooded? So making sure the people showed up, the carpet, all of that. So at the end of the week, she's like, you know, I spent 16 hours this week on the basement. And so I said, well, at the beginning of the week, did you think you had 16 hours to spare? And she's like, hell no. It's like, well, what happened? She's like, I just made it happen. And so it's really important for me is we can be greater than time if we just take the intentionality and if it's a priority for us, it will happen. So it's important for me to be a role model for my kids, for my family. And I want to grow and learn and expand myself. And I can't do that if I'm not following my dreams. So those are really important to me. Nice. Yeah. The reality of making time and, and everybody's like, you can't make time. Time runs away. And, but the truth is we make time all the time. And, right? and what is time? It's a construct that really doesn't exist in a way. So it's like, no, we can, we can do some quantum physics bending here. We can make things work. <laughs> well, and the great example that, that flood is, example is really good, but the one I use for parents is, you know, you turn to your child and you say, I'm too busy. I don't have time, but if they fall and scrape their leg, or break your ankle, what happens? You make time. Make time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, so you absolutely have the power to choose how you use your time. And, and uh, I think uh, teaching people to budget time rather than manage time and, and, and the choices that you're making, you know, treat your time the same way you treat your money um, mm -hmm. and having a budget and having a plan. And of course, having flexibility in the plan that, you know, I don't believe in balance, but I believe in harmony, right? I love that. Is my life in harmony, right? Because I, I can't be in balance, right? My kids, my grandkids, my daughter, my wife, my son, you know, like if we get balanced, like everybody stop, 
Don't move. <laughs> right. Right. Because you know, you're on the teeter totter, right? And the teeter totter gets balanced. You have to stop and keep it balanced. And and it's only a momentary thing. But the reality is, I can have harmony. Where am I spending appropriate amount of time with my wife? Am I am I building up my kids and spending time in my relationship with them? And still building my business and all of those things can happen simultaneously and be in harmony and not and not be in competition with each other um and that's the biggest that's, thing yeah. i always wanted was not i don't want my kids to think they're in competition with my wife i don't want my my wife or kids to think they're in competition with my business because right there's enough space for for all of those things to have and of course as an entrepreneur i get to choose right <laughs> certainly and I think people too, like if you had a business meeting or even this meeting, you would show up for this. I know I showed up for this, but we don't put our gym meeting or the time to meal prep or food on the calendar. And it's like treat everything with the same priority that you would show up for other people because we can tell ourselves, oh, I can brush it off. And it's like, no, this, if this is important to you, you'll show up for it. Oh, especially for yourself, right? That's, yeah. that's integrity. Having yeah. that integrity for yourself. You know, keeping your word to yourself is the most one of the most important things you can do for building your business. Because if you don't keep your word for yourself, your mind knows how oh, you're just a liar. So exactly. I, I'm not going to trust you. Why, so and if your brain doesn't trust you, nobody else is going to trust you. <laughs> exactly. And it just trickles over to everything, right? Relationships, business, body, disease, all of that. It's important. So much stuff. Our mind has so much going on. The poor thing. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, crazy, we still only use such a a small bit of our capabilities. And so I appreciate you sharing so much about how the mind can, can play a role into all these areas and how much you're trying to help people be aligned in those areas. And so thank you so much for, for sharing today. And I was inspired, I was a little, I, inspired and a little fanboyish, so I hope it wasn't uh, too bad. No, thank you so much for having <laughs> me. This was a great conversation. I, I appreciate your time very much. Thank you. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe. We have a free gift for you at addvalue2entrepreneurs.com. We've created a collection of the top tips that have been shared on our show for entrepreneurs. Do you struggle with procrastination, putting off the work until the last minute? Well, you are not alone. Many of our clients start there. We are launching a new five-day challenge to help you take more action and make more money in your business. Each day is a 10-minute video lesson and a worksheet. If you take 15 to 30 minutes to do the worksheet, it will change your life and business and exponentially increase the amount of work you get done each day. Right now, it is only $27 and contains five of our best tools for helping you move forward. It can be found at addvalue2life.com slash action. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.